Well, good morning, Southern Oregon. It's Alice Lima and Pete Belcastro here on The Real Estate Show. And happy, happy Thanksgiving weekend. We're so excited to have you share this with us. And Pete, let's talk about what happened this week, because this is our Market Watch episode. Yeah, well, you know, John L. Scott, we, we have weekly meetings, you know, and we get the latest information around of what's going on in the market. And, you know, Alice, usually this time of the year, you know, we're in November in those four, you know, those four selling seasons of the year. And winter is usually a time when, you know, things down, you have less, less sales, less new listings and things like that. And yet here we are, maybe it's such an average, such a strange year 2020 has been in real estate and so many things. We're kind of going the opposite direction. We're seeing increase in sales from a year ago at this time of the year. So we're seeing great interest rates so low. We're seeing, you know, so it's a great time still. We always talk about this buying and selling because it's never been the market has never been such low on inventory for a seller to sell and such interest rates for a buyer to buy. So that combination is just driving up prices. It's creating, you know, difficulties for buyers, multiple offers, things like that. But it's just kind of what 2020 has been. It really hasn't changed since the pandemic began back in March. And here we're right back in the lockdown again in here in November. How wild is that? Well, and I think it was exasperated by the fires as well. Speaking of which, how are, how are you doing with your settling well, in? Oh, you know, uh, time, time is, time is okay. You know, I think the hardest thing still out is to drive through it all the time when you, when you're around is, uh, is to see it all the time. And I hear that hopefully they're going to start cleaning up because the rain is dripping, you know, gunk into Bear Creek, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just, I just wish them well and as fast as we can recover because we're not, it's not going fast and people should not expect it to go fast because it's, it's, it's really not. Well, and we do have listings coming on in the Phoenix and Talent area, and they're getting looked at and scooped up pretty quickly. So um, that's kind of an interesting phenomenon because we were wondering if uh, people were A, going to list their properties in those areas, and B, would people buy them? And the answer yeah. is yes, people are listing, and yes, people are buying. So um, that's awesome for those neighborhoods. And the other thing is, are people going to come back? The burned out homes, not the, not the manufactured home parks. But in the residences that were burned, are they going to come back and rebuild there or are they going to sell and go on to something else? There's still a lot of questions out there about it, but, uh, you know, slowly we get through them, don't we? We just one day at a time because that's really all you can do. Well, and we want you to stay tuned for this episode. We've got a lot of statistics. Um, we've got a lot of interesting trends that are happening even as we speak. And we have some surprising results about numbers. So don't touch that dial. Allison Peak will be right back with The Real Estate Show. Well, good morning, Southern Oregon. It's Alice Lima here and Pete Belcastro. We're both real estate brokers at John L. Scott here in Southern Oregon. And welcome to Southern Oregon's one and only weekly radio show. So uh, today we're going to have a Market Watch episode. Pete and I are going to bring to you all the latest and greatest of what's going on in our topsy-turvy real estate world. And here we are shut down again, just in time for the Thanksgiving holiday. And Pete, um, you've got a lot going on. Well, I mean, it, you... here, here, we, here we are, Alice. Like, think about this one. It was March, mid the first part of March. Remember when everything got shut down originally? And we were wondering what would happen to the real estate market. Uh, would, it, would it just fall off the cliff like it seemed everything was going to back in March? Or would it, would it rebound? Would it continue? And look what it did. It, it, it increased, right? Since then, since, the, since that pandemic began. 
So now we're doing it. We're going to do it all over now again. And um, who knows what's going to happen? I, I, there's still activity. People are still, as you always have said, people have to buy, people have to sell. And yes, you know, uh, we're in that market again, and we're going to get through it. And we're probably we, we, we look, we've already done it once. We can do it again, right? Yeah, and it was an interesting market reaction, not only from March, I think, which really caught us by surprise, because there were stay-at-home orders that were super, super strong uh, for California, Oregon, and for Washington. And we have never sold so many houses as we did during that shutdown, which that was really, really shocking. And here we are now, how many months later, and the market prices are higher, inventory is uh, even shorter. However, I still say I see every week more homes on the market in all price ranges and lots and lots of listings in the queue. Well, what's happening though, Alice, is that they're going out as fast as they're coming in. So they're therefore they're not increasing in total number. I think that's what we're seeing the days of the market, what's being, what's being bought. But you're right, prices are crossing. Klamath, Jackson, Josephine counties are all up from what they were when we started the pandemic back in March and really to some pretty good degree. So uh, we've seen it all here in the last seven months and we're gonna go experience it again if we have a prolonged shutdown. So we're gonna see how that's gonna do the market. But in the meantime, there are opportunities as you always, as you know, for buyers and sellers right now to take advantage of the situation. We're gonna talk about that in our show today. Well, and here we are, like I said, the week before Thanksgiving, um, and it's still an amazing time to purchase. And even though the feds are saying that they plan on having another year or so of these low interest rates, I really wonder about that, Pete, because now that a vaccine or two are looming on the future, and that was a, a definite factor in our economic health or lack of health, uh, no pun intended, that... Um, the feds can do whatever they want and they, they frequently do change their mind. So what if they decide to start raising the rates because they think that the pandemic crisis is open? What will that do to the opportunities that we have right now? So I really think people should run, not walk to their next house or investment purchase just because the feds, in my opinion, are a little unpredictable. So you're speculating, you are speculating that that is going to happen, that that's going to rise. So you remind me of Danny Fry. Remember, she was our appraiser here a few weeks ago that we had on with us when she was talking about they only deal in the present. You know, they didn't go into the future. And so what you may be saying may be true and it may not be true. We have to look at it. What's happening today? And again, if you're refinancing, those rates have not gone up there. I just, I refinanced my house, as you know, 2.8% I got for that. People are financing homes in 2.75%, some even a little bit less if, you, if you've got really good credit and things like that. So, I'd, Alice, if it, again, we've talked about this for, for years almost. If those rates go up, all bets are off because the market's going to change drastically. But right now, today, as we go into this, another lockdown here, the rates are so low that it's an opportunity that, again, as you say, you say run, don't don't walk. I agree. It, it is. It's it's unique because of it. And I, I don't think it's going to change. Vaccine, nothing right now. New president coming in, whatever. The housing market is driving this economy and they need to have it driven by something. 
Well, you make a lot of good points right there, but I just want to remind people that just because the feds say something doesn't mean they're actually going to follow through. We've seen time and time again that they will change their mind if they feel it's necessary. So I have a lot of people um, telling me that they're going to wait um, a year or 18 months because maybe there's a recession, maybe there's this, maybe there's that. And they're banking on those low interest rates still being there. And I'm standing here as an older person who's watched, you know, like you, not that you're old because I'm old, you're not, but that we've both watched a lot of real estate cycles in our day. And I'm just saying, don't bank on that. And I wouldn't necessarily believe them. Um, And what's nice about right now is if you're a seller, especially if you're a seller that's going to also buy, you just can't have a better environment. There's so many people out there wanting to purchase not only locals, but relocators. Um, You know, you could go through a somewhat easier process, not that real estate is ever easy, but you, as a seller, you could go through a process where you just have more buyers to choose from. And that just doesn't happen every single day of our real estate life. No, absolutely. It, it doesn't. And well, just look what happened last week because we follow these stats, you know, every week. There was only 270 single family residences for sale in Jackson County last week. I mean, that's just very few. Sounds like a lot. But actually, of that 270, I think almost like a uh, except 60, 60 to 70 of them, Alice, are luxury properties. So, you know, it, it, the pickings get slimmer as you go down. Uh, but sales, the pending sales last week uh, in all three counties were steady, 73, Jackson, 22 in Klamath and Josephine County. But closed sales were actually down a little bit, only 63 of them in uh, Jackson County last week, of which 38 were over 350,000, again, over half. That has trend has continued since since June of this year. Median price last week. You ready for this one? Jackson County, four hundred fifty-eight thousand on. Those oh 60, no! <laughs> four hundred fifty-eight thousand on sixty-three sales. Wow. County was three hundred seventy-eight thousand. Klamath County, two hundred eighty-nine thousand. So, you know, it's a it, it's an inter, it's, it's just such an interesting market of where we are and how you prepare uh, for buying and selling. Maybe that's something, how are you telling your, you, you say it's great for sellers right now, Alice. How, what are you telling your sellers about how to prepare for this? What should, what should we be looking for as a seller right now? Well, and it depends on their situation because everybody has a slightly different reason for selling and a different strategy for where they're gonna go. So if they're gonna stay locally, then uh, we want to get the property ready um, and then go actively find their replacement property so that we're going on the market right around the time their offer is getting accepted. Um, If it's a luxury property, I recommend you go on the market right away with a contingency to find another low, uh, another property. Um, If you're over, I don't know, if your property is going to be priced over 600, 700, 800, into the millions, I would go ahead and put it on the market right away. We do have buyers in that price range more so than we used to, but it still could take a little while. If you're below 500,000 in Jackson County, uh, below 400,000 in Josephine County or Klamath, Klamath is probably below 300, then um, I think you could wait a little bit, but it's, it's, Timing the market is never a great idea, (laughs) but it's just, we want to make sure you have a place to go. And if you're leaving the area, then we just want to get you hooked up with a good agent over wherever you're going. You can start your process. We'll get your house ready for sale and uh, 
we'll try to do them both together as smoothly as possible. Okay. What are you telling sellers also about like uh, uh, fixing things, painting the house, you know, uh, fixing things up right now? What do you, what do you, what do you advise? What's your advice there? Because, you know, many times uh, maybe you don't need to spend money to do that. Well, so there's two answers. I have two answers. I always want to hear what the seller wants because that's super important. It's their life. It's their address. You know, we want to do what they want. Um, I prefer that people do their repairs ahead of time. I prefer that they turn over a house that's in as good a shape as possible, but not it doesn't have to be perfect, but I like the health and safety issues to okay. be addressed. Um, but not all sellers are in a position to do that. And especially if they're in a state, a probate, a divorce, um, they're on the border of being a short sale. Sometimes they just don't have the wherewithal or the desire to do any repairs. What about cosmetic stuff? Uh, paint, it looks, it maybe look uh, a color or something like that, or I'm going to change uh, faucets and things like that. I mean, do, do we need to do that right now in this market, do you think, or cosmetic things? Well, a lot of sellers are, and especially in the lower price ranges, they're getting away with not doing anything. I still don't like that idea, but um, it, you will get more money if you paint. You will get more money if the house smells good. You will get more money... And it's also a speed thing. It'll happen faster. You'll get better buyers. You'll get buyers that are uh, more steady, more stable, and more willing to wait out the process. Because even on a good day right now, you know, we just have so many bumps and bobbles in the real estate world. It will help prepare everybody if you can do as much as possible. And if you can't, or you really don't want to, then you'll just have to take the knocks during the transaction. Mm -hmm. And so buyers, okay, so let, let's put the buyer hat on for a minute, because I know you, you, we both work with lots of buyers and they're with interest rates in hand, you know, a pre-approval letter in hand and away we go and we go show properties. Um, what should, what's the biggest thing they should, you think they should be looking at as a buyer right now? Well, and again, I think it depends on the price point, but if you're looking in Jackson County under 300,000, well, I guess now under 400,000, because that's the new average, um, yeah. you know, you're going to have a hard time and you're going to have to make some uncomfortable decisions because a lot of those sellers really don't have a good house on the market um, and haven't done any of their repairs. So it's it's more disappointing and heartbreaking, I think, in those lower price ranges. If you're in Jackson County above 300, above 400, then I think the homes are probably in better condition. And if they're not, then you could at least try to negotiate that. Now in Josephine County, um, that is quickly, and Klamath as well, those prices are coming up. Uh, they're not even with Jackson County, but it's a similar scenario don't you think that we, we're starting to see these upper yeah. price points selling finally and those homes are in better repair than the the lower priced ones yeah, i know we have a break coming up but maybe the next segment we can talk about the equity gains that we're seeing on these on, on properties that have been sold because from a year ago or five years ago i mean the, the gains are really increasing into double digits again which is you know both good and bad it carries just lots of different issues with it we can check those in both rural and residentials when we come back because there's some fascinating stuff out there. And again, buyers and sellers, you need to know this stuff, especially when you're out there looking and you're ready to go. 
Well, and also, you know, both those spikes, in my opinion, are artificial because one was the corona and one was the fire. But here we are. And, you know, after the break, I think we should talk about how likely is it that these prices are going to hold steady? Is this going to be the new reality? And if so, for how long? Oh, boy, good questions. So this is Alice Lima and Pete Bell Castro. We're both brokers at John L. Scott uh, here in Southern Oregon, here on our weekly radio show. And we are going to be right back after messages from our sponsors. We are so grateful to be sponsored by John L. Scott, um, the um, Mutual, Mutual of Omaha. Omaha. Yes, Guy Giles, Mutual of Omaha Mortgage. And then also the local real estate board, uh, Rogue Valley Association Realtors. We appreciate you guys lots. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back, real estate fans. It's Alice Lima and Pete Belcastro here at the Real Estate Show. Uh, we are both brokers at John L. Scott here in Southern Oregon. And today we have our Market Watch episode. And it's a great conversation about all the ups and downs of what's going on in all the Southern Oregon real estate markets. So Pete, uh, right before the break, you were going to talk about maybe some trends and some stats. Well, I was just going to just remind people, you know, that you invest in real estate, and Alice, you're an investor as well. We, we invest in our home uh, as, a, as an investment. We want to make money on what we're doing with that. And so do you put money in the stock market? Do you put money in real estate? That's always an argument that goes back and forth, you know. But in just in Jackson County here, and I'll get Josephine's in a second, in the three-month period from August to October, sales were up 11.5% uh, from a year ago. Okay, 11.5%. That's a significant amount. Of which uh, you know is, is we like it we like it at around five six percent to be honest with you that, that's that's a good steady investment, but rural properties Alice have gone up even more than that uh, in the in the area now they're up 18, 20 percent from a year ago so we're seeing the result of lower inventory that's out there that is playing a, a role in these price increases and you say you always ask how much how much inventory we have you know how much is out there. I'll just tell you, let me just tell you, a year ago, we had 892 listing stick-home homes in Jackson County, 892 at this time last year. This year, we had 314. That's 65% less, so something's happened. Uh, it's, you know it's weird when Ashland has more listings than East Medford. It's crazy. What in the world's going on with our market here? But everybody is down, including, of course, poor Phoenix and Talent. They've really struggled, as you know. And so we have this big disparity here in uh, where listings come up, how they come up, and how fast they go off. But overall, Alice, the equity we're getting, if you buy, is you're going to increase that and you're going to gain equity in your home. I've had clients who, by the time we sold from what the appraisal was, they gained ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in equity. The problem I'm seeing, though, and as wonderful as it is for all of that to be happening with the people who own houses, um, it's hard on the people who are trying to buy, the first-time buyers, um, but it's also 11% in one year. That's almost a percentage point a month, and that is not sustainable. That is what we would call an accelerated market, and um, again, before the break, we were talking that the two points of acceleration we experienced this year was because of the corona and because of the fires. Those are both um, what we would call acts of God. Those are events. They're like having hurricanes and earthquakes. They're not 
market driven acceleration. So I just want to caution people. Um, but again, this is why maybe you might want to sell right now because you've got this big bump and it it can kind of leapfrog you into your next step of your life because you have this unexpected equity. But like you said, Pete, five and 6% appreciation is sustainable and more normal. And it's what we were headed for coming out of the crash, coming out of the rebound of the crash, we were just settling in to a nice sustainable, what I would say three to 7%, which would be about five or six average for Southern Oregon. Last, last fall in 2019, that's exactly where we were, Alice. 5.6% was the, was, the, uh, was the increase in equity from that from the year from 2018 to 2019. So you see how much it's come up. And just again, the whole thing seems to be, I don't know what you think, but the whole thing seems to be dependent. There's buyers out there. It's just on the, on the amount of listings that are out there and how you're able to maneuver your way to find them. Because in Jackson County as a whole, again, and these are just the latest stats from October. So this is just a couple, a couple of weeks ago. If you're trying to buy anywhere from zero, which is of course zero up to $500,000, zero to 500,000, Alice, there's a, like a point two months supply in those prices, not two months, point two. So is that like not even a week? No, no that's no. about four or five days. Yeah. I mean, that's from zero to up to 500,000. If you're 500 to 750,000, there's still less than a month supply of inventory that's out there. So again, if new listings come on, they're going off as fast as they're coming on in many respects. So we're not gaining additional new listings. That's why these statistics show us the market snapshot shows it across the board that there's just such a low supply of inventory right now. And that's why uh, we're having the, the increase in equity. It's just supply and demand is really, you know, it almost comes down to as simple as that supply and demand. We have a great demand and no supply. But that also doesn't mean that the buyers are just going to buy anything. So that's the other piece that I think people need to keep in mind is there is definitely some pushback from the buyer pool um, that they're not going to just buy anything. And no. there are properties that are languishing because they're overpriced or they're not in good repair or both. Um, and so I think that that fighting over listings is very real. You know, we're both out there every week writing offers, having over full price offers get refused. Um, but at the same time, I still talk to a lot of agents. I have a lot of listing interviews right now myself. And I just, I just have, you know, there's more listings coming. So what I'm telling people is, I say this to buyers and sellers, um, is that there's a lot more listings coming. This is a delayed reaction. We couldn't get our normal springtime inventory on the market. Um, and then when we were trying to get it on the market this summer, then we had the fires. So now that the election's over, not that I think the elections have, you know, any weight, but it's an event. And if you look cyclically over time, people do respond to it. The market responds to it. Now that it's over, we can all move forward. And there's just zillions of listings coming in all price points. Now that doesn't mean that if you have the house of your dreams in escrow right now, you should bail because you just want to get something that works for you and get it done and move. But at the same time, if you have not found something, I just encourage people to not lose faith um, and, to, and to be out there and still keep writing offers because the properties are going to come on the market. Yeah, well, and again, it's being ready. 
with the pre-approval, if that's what you need, you have to be, you know, first in line. We're always up against, you know, multiple offers. Are you, I haven't, I've written several offers since the last time maybe we talked about this out maybe a month ago on our show, but have you been up against multiple offers as many as we were about a month or two months ago? No, it's, it's way different vibe out there now. And it's very interesting because you could almost feel the moment when the fire uh, survivors like yourself were, were the last of them were finally either settled or at least had made enough arrangements that they were not impacting the market. Now we still have a few out there, but it's not in mass like it was August, September and October. So now that that, in my opinion, is behind us, we're dealing with the locals, we're dealing with the relocators that are trying to get um, out of the urban areas and they're trying to get someplace that they consider um, safer, cleaner, easier to live. And then the locals just want what we all love about Southern Oregon, you know, a little elbow room, a shop, uh, maybe a swimming pool. Yeah. Everyone, everyone has a different, everybody has a different, um, or maybe they just want a tiny, tiny cottage because they're over having everybody live with them. (laughs) I want to tell you one thing. um, The lure of family and real estate is really quite striking. I I never realized it and just, you know, until you start looking at it, but uh, families, you know, of parents moving to where closer to grandchildren and children are, or the children and grandchildren moving closer to where the parents are. And that is a big drive in real estate right now is a lot of people seem to be, at least my experience, a lot of people are dealing with this right now and making changes now uh, in anticipation of whatever may come in the future. And and that kind of has an effect on you as well. So, you know, there's just little of everything as you say some people have to work to move move to work some people moved for this some people move for that and we're seeing that and it's not going to that's not going to change and again supply and demand makes that i think the way we're seeing it right now i had an interesting uh, letter this week from our show from one of our one of our uh, listeners uh Alice, and i wanted to share it with you just if i could it's from carl and he said i listen to your show often he said this morning you had a realtor. This was from last week's show. We had the uh, uh, Oregon Association of Realtor guy on there. Remember that one? Anyway, he said uh, he, he told us about the demand for more housing by people moving here that we must build more homes. Okay. Remember that? He was talking about that. He said, can you tell me why it is our job to build more homes for people that want to move here? And think about that. That is a very interesting, interesting. Well, question. you remember what I said. You, I said something to the Oregon Real okay. Estate Association guy. I said, okay. shouldn't we close the borders or limit? Or I said something because that was my reaction too. Yeah. Well, and I, I tried to answer, right? And I thought it was, it, it was a very thought provoking. He, he goes on to say, yeah, more what did you say? Because I, I didn't see your response. What did you say? Yeah. Well, I just, I just said that I don't have an answer, but that uh, I don't know the answer to your question. It, it poses a really good, what, it, it goes back to me, it's the type of housing that we build that really was going to predicate answering that in the future. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't have one. We're building because of demand. What we're building is another issue and how we build it and where we build it are another issues. But uh, we cannot stop in our country. We cannot stop people from moving. And, and, I, and he's right that the buyer then has to be aware that you may not have a perfect situation where you're moving to, but you know. Well, but the bigger question is, I mean, he's asking why are we accommodating such huge numbers of people? Um, Why can't people go somewhere else? I mean, it's like, why are we the ones to make the changes? 
Um, and, and that was my reaction to, and I'm not being snotty and I'm not being exclusive because I'm not that kind of a person, but I, but it does beg the question is where, how does each community decide what they want to offer or not? And I am in favor of each community deciding for themselves. And if what they want are three bedroom, two bath, single story houses with elbow room, they should be allowed to do that. And if what they want is to have higher density, multifamily, more urban living, they should get to do that. I just think people should get what they want and it should not be mandated um, from a um, federal government, state government. I think each individual zip code should get to choose. That's my opinion. Well, that I think that's probably the majority opinion there. And you're not off. I mean, I don't. I, I think you're right. Uh, we have to deal with this as, as communities, and each community should be able to set there. We have stringent rules in Oregon, as you know. They've they've relaxed them. We're going to see in the next few years whether additional dwelling units and all the things that we talk about, small homes, tiny homes, can they accommodate? Because we we just keep building three twos, like you say then we're just, you know, that's not really the best thing for our communities. Uh, we're gonna force local people out and we don't wanna do that. We, 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 don't want to, we don't want to come to that situation where we can't afford our own, our own homes and our own community anymore because we're being inundated with outsiders. But, see, that, but that's where each zip code or each municipality, it would be nice if they could make their own, yeah. own choices. Well, we can't do that with the pandemic, so I doubt they're going to let us do that with real estate. <laughs> no, but I when you know we have a break coming up, um, so when we come back, I want to tell you I'm in uh, involved in a building of a very small lot, and because we were wondering when this was going to start kicking in, so very very small lot, very small house. But do you know she picked a three bedroom, two bath floor plan, mm -hmm. and she's in a high density area. Could have had anything else and this is what she decided to build so i want to make sure we talk about that because even though i like everybody to have what they want a lot of what people want are three bedroom two bath homes with a little <laughs> bit of a yard even in a tiny tiny lot with a tiny tiny house uh well yep, yep well we all have we all experience different things i agree so we will be right back after these words from our beloved sponsors do not touch that dial alice and pete will be right back well, welcome back, real estate fans, to The Real Estate Show. I'm Alice Lima here with Pete Belcastro. We're both brokers at John L. Scott Southern Oregon. And today we're doing our Market Watch episode. And it's so interesting this week before Thanksgiving and our first weekend of another shutdown, a pause, a freeze, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I don't know about you, Pete, but my phone has been ringing off the hook again, just like it did in March. People are deciding they're going to buy a big house, a lot of rooms. They're going to homeschool. They're going to work from home and they're planning on being quarantined off and on for the next few years. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I talk to people the same way. They want space. They want to be away. They're, they're nervous about what the future is going to be. Multi, we talked about multifamily units together. That is still a big, big draw. I hear, I hear from clients all the time about that, and they're hard to find. Um, that's why you may have to build your own part of your, you, you. Sometimes you have to compromise in real estate and get partial, you know, and then add yourself to it something later on, because a lot of times not everything is what is perfect that, that, that you want to get. So I think we're in that situation right there, but we'll see if that's going to happen. 
Um, and and it, it, you may very well be right. You know, we haven't talked new construction, you know, Alice, for a while. That's actually happening. Uh, uh, as surprising as that be, you know, in Ashland, there was these, they, they built a number of uh, small, tiny homes. Remember down there uh, uh, in, in town here? If so, yes, most, I do. I do. Yeah. So those were like $365,000, by the way. But equity, we talked about the rise in equity. I just wanted to say it is not uniform across the county. And I don't want people to get that wrong impression. Just that wherever you live, you say you, you gained 11% changes by community. Ashland, for example, was actually down 1% from, from a year earlier. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because Shakespeare's not been here. There's no visitors. There's well, and you know what? Again, I say the remote workers left Ashland because they could go somewhere else and the property taxes are so high. <laughs> I can't argue. I can't argue with there. Uh, also, you know, Eagle Point saw a, an 11% drop from a year ago. What's the reason there? That Eagle surprises me. Oh, the fires? Building, no, Eagle Point is building more and more housing. There's oh, more gotcha. Eagle Point, therefore, the prices don't rise as fast as they do in other communities. So it's not even. But that 11% increase was was in East Medford. Certainly, we've talked about you know White City doing well like that. Uh, Northwest Medford, all those is where those 11% increases went. But it's not across the board by any chance. New construction does not raise as well. There was still. We're you know, we talk about how much new construction do we need? Uh, again, most of it is in East Medford. There was 142 new homes, though, constructed in that three-month period. You know, that seems to be a lot to me. Uh, but we're still don't, we still don't, are not even close to what, what we could use. Yeah, we're not keeping up with demand. And so the listener who was frustrated with um, the idea that Oregon is accommodating all these out of town people um, to the um, to the deficit of the locals. You know, it's an ongoing conversation. And right before the break, I had mentioned I have a buyer who bought this skinny little lot that nobody wanted, little teeny tiny, not <laughs> much of anything. And it was really interesting because we've talked about her building because uh, she's going to build a new a new dwelling. Uh, and she's in a high density area, she could easily do um, two tiny houses or, or a duplex. And when we walked around with the builder, she surprised me with this floor plan of a three bedroom, two bath with a little bit of a yard. And I sat there and I thought of our listener who was griping last week, and, and I did too, about the same thing. And it's like, well, but that's what people want. So I, I just want to go back to people should have what they want. Well, if, if that is the point, <laughs> the point is, how much do you build for? Well, it, it, we're never going to solve that that problem. It, it's it's an issue that's going to be there. We have to accommodate other things. I just hope that uh, the builders, the incentives, government uh, people who are in charge now, uh, who knows what Salem is going to come out with? We have another legislative session coming up in a few months. Uh, will there be more incentives somehow for building and helping? Uh, investors i mean look we're, we're short of rental properties you keep saying that your investors are, are, are bailing right uh, they're renters well, my That's investors are looking at other parts of the country because it actually pencils better in other places yeah. um there's more business friendly and you quite you know let's be honest landlords are business people so there's more business friendly environments to invest in than southern oregon however having said that i still think southern oregon is a great place to be a landlord you just have to put up with some different rules um, I think the rental environment is going to get worse for the tenants in the next few years. 
Because like you said, right before the break, a lot of these multifamily purchases, the fourplexes, duplexes, that kind of thing, they're being purchased by families that are not going to have tenants in them. So they're displacing ever more tenants. That is a definite trend as, as families decide to be together. Mm -hmm. No, I think, I think so. And that's not going down. And that lure of those, uh, the, again, with another, with another shutdown, like we're experiencing, I'm wondering if we're going to see a surgeon again, more remote people wanting more remote areas. I think uh, we already have. Yeah. Haven't you this week? More of it. I mean, are we going to see that continue? I can see more of it or whatever. Uh, it was a, it, it played a big role in the stats here that, that, that we've been sharing today. So I'm wondering if we're going to see that continue and even escalate perhaps uh, as people are so frustrated with, with all of this. You know, we're, we're, uh, we have a federal system here and we're, we're used to doing what we want, right? I mean, you just said about you buy what you want, right? You should be able to do that. You just said that. Well, you know, the same way goes with how we feel about everything. And uh, so, you know, lockdowns are not good. And so that's why people, uh, I think tend to want to change their, their their paradigm in their life because they just see more of this coming in the future. And I hope that's not true, but it could be. But we want to well, be prepared. Right? And it, it also, I mean, I think with this last shutdown, whether you think it's a good idea or not, doesn't matter. The side effect is we just washed out the last of the businesses that couldn't hold on anymore. So um, that's just the way markets work. There's winners and losers, but, you know, we're having to sit back, you and I, and, and a lot of other people and watch some of our friends and their families really have to make some tough choices this winter because they just either can't or don't want to try to keep these businesses afloat. And that does affect the real estate market. And then at the same time, we have all these luxury properties, their value is going up really, really fast because with this second shutdown, people are just sick of it and they're going to go ahead and spend a million or $2 million. And you got to remember uh, how, what, two years ago, we couldn't give those properties away. Yeah, no, there was, there was like a two year supply. Remember that 24 month supply of luxury homes about a year ago, a year, two years ago. You're right. And that's totally. And now it's below, I think it's below four months. Oh, it's below one month. One month, yeah. For the million dollar properties? One month. One. We just got our new stats. So show if you're if you're gonna watch on YouTube, Pete's gonna hold this up. One month supply, million million plus. Okay, so if you ever wanted to get out from under your million dollar property, now is the time. And you'll probably even get an extra couple of hundred thousand dollars for it. I'm gonna hold you to that if that's true. Extra couple of hundred thousand, but uh Remember, there's a lot of competition, though, for those. And so you have to have- And a everything. lot of those buyers are cash. And, you know, so be you got to be ready. But again, those don't move very often still, even though we're talking about this, uh, it's, it's still out there and it takes a while to do this. You got to be ready no matter what is, as we go and we're out of time, but- gosh, uh, We could talk about this forever. <laughs> where things go down, you know, that curve that goes up, then it comes down in the winter. Well, we're in November now. We're going to see where that curve goes. Is it going to go down like normal? Or Alice, is it going to go up and have, we're going to have a total aberration year? We're going to find out in the next few months. Well, and that's why you should listen to Pete and Alice every week because we have our pulse. We have our finger on the pulse and we talk about it. We share it with you. So this is Alice and Pete saying, have a beautiful Thanksgiving. Enjoy Southern Oregon. We'll be back next week. We'll have a repeat of this broadcast tomorrow at 6 p.m. Blessings on your family. Bye now.